welcome to the Reawakened Mom podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Clampett. I am so grateful you're here. This show is for you if you find yourself always putting others' needs before yours. You naturally take care of others first. You find yourself in constant comparison with other moms. You put your dreams, goals, ambitions, and passions on hold. If you raised your hand and said, that's me, this show is for you. You are not alone. My goal with this podcast is to show you it doesn't have to be this way. I invite you to join the weekly conversations and learn mom hacks, proven strategies, techniques, and mindset tips to reawaken who you truly are. Some episodes, I'll be here riding solo and riffing on a specific topic. Other weeks, I'll invite moms and experts to share their stories and journeys on how they reawakened their life. We need your voice out in this world, so stop hiding, stop dimming, stop following, and start knowing, shining, and leading because you are not alone. Let's reawaken the passion living inside of you together. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Reawakened Mom podcast. And I am here today with my friend, Michelle Slaney Travato. How are you, Michelle? I'm fabulous. How are you? I am doing wonderful. I'm excited for our conversation today. So before we dive into everything, I would love to do a quick little intro. I love your, your little bio. It's so great. But Michelle is both an adoptive and a special needs mom who believes ordinary people can create extraordinary legacies. Uh, it's so short and sweet, but just so like powerful, like all, all in one. So I love that, Michelle. Thank you. I had fun yeah. writing it. Yeah. Well, welcome. Welcome to the show. I would love before we kind of dive into a little bit about you and kind of what you do and, and your podcast and the legacy and kind of what that means to you. Tell us a little bit about you, um, kind of where, how you got to where you are. If you want to start with your, like your motherhood journey, um, sure. what that means to you, I would love to, to start there. Sure. Uh, my motherhood journey is <clears throat> not really the average journey. Yeah. Um, my husband and I were married, I guess, for about a year. And we decided that like a lot of families that we would start trying to have some kids. And that led into the second year where we thought, oh, well, I don't know that that should be taking quite this long, yeah. which led us to start pursuing things medically. And that led us on a four and a half year journey to figure out that we fall into the category of undiagnosed infertility. What that means is everything works. It just doesn't work. There's no reason <laughs> for it. So okay. here we are with this lovely diagnosis thinking, well, now what do we do with ourselves? Yeah. Um, we really want to be parents. What's that going to look like? And so we started pursuing different avenues for information, whether we would look at, um, you know, continuing down the medical path and try IVF, or would we look at maybe being foster parents, or would we look at adoption? Should we just get a dog? Like yeah. we looked at all those things and, you know, we started one by one ruling things out, um, IVF is very expensive, very yeah. expensive. It's not covered by medical plans. So we didn't have a lot of money and we thought, well, how are we even going to do this? Yeah. Um, and if we did it, we could probably just do it once. And the, the statistics on that are that it doesn't usually work first time. So mm -hmm. like, okay. So then we started looking into other avenues 
predominantly we went to some info sessions on adoption, thinking that it wasn't going to be for us. This was going to be a really hard, awful path, and it was going to be super expensive and just wasn't going to be for us. And what we found was just the opposite, that it was actually going to be a, it's not an easy path, but it was going to be easier than we thought. Um, It was going to be a lot of prep work um, Mm -hmm. to get us prepared for all of this but that our hands were going to be held through the whole process. And so ultimately that's what we decided to do. And uh, in 2004, we adopted our first son from Los Angeles uh, and we took him at 23 hours old. Oh my goodness. Every, every waking memory of his life is mine. I own it. (laughs) I love that. Then when he was about, two, we decided that we'd start the process again, uh, because it takes a while and it's very unlike pregnancy. There's no defined end date. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we knew that it could really be a twisty turny journey and take a while. And it did, um, because we did not, uh, get through the process again. We had applied to several different places. Um, nothing kind of worked out. We had one false start. Um, And then we actually heard of a birth mother in Philadelphia who was having twins. And so we put our paperwork in front of her because that's how it works. You have to put your paperwork in front of someone and they choose a few people to interview and then they make the ultimate decision where their baby is going to go. Uh, She declined us. And, Mm. uh, but the agency called us and said, we think we actually have a baby for you right now. Wow. Um, It's this little boy and you fit the bill for what his birth mom is looking for. Would you mind if we showed her your paperwork? And we said, sure, no problem. And they literally called us back. They gave her a stack six inches thick of individual pieces of paper of families that were seeking to adopt. Ours happened to be on the top. And she took one look at ours and pushed the pile away and said, this is the family called them. And that's how our second son came to join our family in 2009. Oh, that is so beautiful. Do you mind me asking like, so during this process, do you, since the parent knows you, do you stay in touch with them at all? Or is it their choice or your choice? Or is it a decision you, Hey, when the kids get a certain age, how, how does that work? Do you mind talking about that? I don't mind. It really is up to the birth mother. So in my oldest son's case, we actually met his birth mother while she was pregnant. Um, and I'm so grateful. We have this beautiful picture of she and I, uh, on the day she chose us and I, I call it his two mummies. Um, and so I have something to show him about what he, who he looks like. He doesn't, he, he has some pretty significant special needs, which we'll get into later. So I, I, I'm not sure he's sure who she is, Yeah, but he looks at her a lot in the picture and he'll touch her face and sometimes he kisses her. So I know that there's a sense of understanding there somewhere Yeah, that that there's a similarity with this woman or a connection to her. Uh, My younger son's birth mother did not want to meet. Okay. Uh, She was, I think, concerned about potential judgment on our part, which totally was not the case. I wanted to just put my arms around her and say, thank you. Yeah. But we do have limited and one way openness. We can send through the lawyer pictures and information about our son to her right now. We get nothing back. 
Okay. But she she did say that she was open later in life if he wanted to come and find her, that that might be possible, which is cool because he does. He wants oh. to go and, and find her and see her and meet her. And Yeah, of course. Yep. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. So that's kind of how it works. It's really dependent on the person where they're at in their own life, their own journey, how they feel about the whole process. So Mm -hmm. we have two very different experiences in that. Yeah. I would love to know um, for the moms that are listening and maybe, you know, thinking about adopting or foster, you know, fostering children, but as far as like adoption and then going, so how many ups and downs that you had and, you know, putting your paperwork in and then it being denied, how did you handle that mentally? Like, how did you and your husband work through that process? Like, did you start from the beginning and say, okay, we're just going to release it or every situation? Did you have to kind of go into it, you know, being like, we'll see what happens. How did you get through that? Great questions. I'll start with this. In adoption, you're not just adopting that little human being, you're adopting everything about them. Mm -hmm. So if they are a different race than you, then you're adopting that too. And you need to start being willing to, to put growth into that area. If they're from a different country, has a specific religion, then you need to go and start learning about that. And you need to, as much as possible, be willing to have your child be a part of all the things that they would have if they had stayed in their birth family. That's very important because adoption is the, one of the few ways that families get created from loss. Yeah. The birth parents have to have to release and and effectively lose their children Mm -hmm. for many adoptive families like us. It was the loss of all potential children that we could have had. So it comes from that place of loss and sacrifice. So you're prepared for that part of the journey to adopt the people who work with you generally prepare you for that. There's going to be stops and starts that there's no sort of set one way path that we can say, you know, in 18 months or in 22 months, you're going to have this particular baby. There's no, that's, it's all a bit of a mystery. So you have to be very, very flexible on those things and very willing to readjust quickly Mm -hmm. because things can happen very quickly, quite literally our first (laughs) son, we hadn't even finished our paperwork. And the lawyer called us and said, we have a baby birth mom is coming in. She's eight and a half months pregnant. She should have been matched yesterday. Can you fly to LA? I did this thing I've never done in my entire life where we booked a ticket For the same day, I went with my purse only, we got on a plane, flew to LA, met this birth mom, spent the day with her and flew home that day. I have never done anything like it. Oh, when we got to um, customs, they're like, is this business or pleasure? I'm like, I honestly don't know what to tell you. And they're like, what? So I'm telling, we're going to meet this birth mom and clearly we're paying a lawyer. So there's business, but like this, we're getting this baby. That's all pleasure. So I don't know. And the guy's like, uh, I don't know either. I'm going to have to get a supervisor. Oh my gosh, that's great. I thought they were going to be like, sorry, you cannot get on this plane. Nope. They, they're they all just like, oh, just check a box and go, go, go yeah, get yeah. your baby. Oh, that's <laughs> it was so sweet and exciting. So things can happen very quickly, or it can be very protracted, like take a really long time, have a lot of false stops and starts and anything in between. Yeah. So yeah, I think you have to be really flexible with that. Yeah. 
you have to be very prepared for, there's a lot of human factors involved. Uh, there's a lot of different players and at any point along the way, some, there can be a hiccup somewhere. And so you need to be willing to be very flexible with all that. The end result though, is an amazing, great story and a yeah. beautiful child that you get to bring home. So yeah. it's well worth it when you keep in mind the end result. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So let's talk about your boys. Cause I, I know a little bit about them and from social media and a tale of two T's, but let's talk about you. So are you talking from your own experience with maybe the race or the religion? Obviously you said a little bit earlier, like one of your sons has severe special needs. So let's talk into like your personal story with, with your boys and kind of that journey. Now mm -hmm. that you have them what the heck is going on in your life? Because I know it's it's a lot. And I we've been on calls together. And I know one of your sons is there. And I see you on Facebook and social media. And let's talk about your life and kind of how that's evolved now that you're now that you're fully in it. Absolutely. <clears throat> so my <laughs> husband's family, his mom is from Argentina, his father is from Sicily, he speaks Spanish first, then Italian, then English, he was born in Canada, where we are, but he is multilingual. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so we wanted to, when we were looking at who to adopt, we chose to look into the Latinx community because okay. that's a community my husband already had a connection with to okay. the language, to the culture, to the religions that are all connected to that. It was already there for us. So both of my boys are biracial. Uh, my oldest son, his birth mother's from El Salvador and his birth father is Mexican. Okay. My youngest son, uh, his birth mother is Puerto Rican and his birth father is African-American. Okay. So I am on the podcast. You can't see me, but I am a pasty white girl. So <laughs> I am definitely the whitest person in my house. They joke about the fact that we can't have white backgrounds in family pictures because you'll lose mom. And so there's definitely um, an element of our family physically looking different. Yeah. Um, when our children were very young, my husband and I came up with some sort of pat answers for people because we do, we get, we get weird questions. We get interesting responses. Um, people ask interesting and weird things. Uh, they're unsure. Like for example, I remember one time uh, going on the train with my son and he was my youngest, he was running down the platform and um, a train worker stopped him. And I could tell he was saying like, where's your mom? And my yeah. son turned around and pointed at me and the guy looked at him and looked at me and looked at him and said, are you sure? Um, because we looked absolutely nothing right. like. Wait a second. Did she take you? Are you casting? Right. Exactly. Like, and that was it. They actually had you? a missing child. And that's what he was oh, wondering, oh, right? Gosh. Was this child, this missing child? And he's just like, claiming this random woman is his mother. Yeah. So yeah. we've had stories like that. Um, so we've, we decided to be very open about our, our adoption right out of the gate, because it's not how people generally assume families are created. Yeah. And because our family physically looks very unique, um, it's, it's a question that's on people's minds. Mm -hmm. And when people don't have information, they fill it in with assumptions. Yeah. And so I would much rather that people have that conversation with us because when I open the door, it just dispels all the myths, yeah. right? When I say, yes, my children are adopted. They're like, oh, wow, that's cool. And yeah. now people have a reason to understand why our family is together. Yeah. yeah. And then they're cool with that. It's yeah. great. Or then um, they can ask better questions. Like, okay, yeah. let's, you know, they can ask and better questions. It leads to 
I can't tell you how many people have told me they themselves are adopted and that they don't share it out very often, um, that they are an adoptive parent or somebody in their family has adopted. It opens the door for people to be really honest and kind uh, to us as a general rule. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with my older son, he has some pretty significant special needs and it's physically apparent within a couple of seconds of meeting him. You're like, "Mm, this child's got some stuff going on. So that too brings questions Mm -hmm. um, around kind of what's going on for him. And again, we made that decision really early on to be very honest and open about it because again, we as children, many of us were taught, don't stare, don't point, don't ask. And truthfully, I find that I actually find that a bit offensive because when kids ask questions, you know, this, you guys are moms, they get an answer. They're like, okay, now I've got an answer. I carry on. Yeah. Like it's just a done deal. We can put that to bed. It's when we don't have the answers that we start filling in the blanks with things that are often very incorrect information. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that people can ask my son for a long time was in a wheelchair and, um, now he's not, we had, he had surgery and, and lots of therapy and he's on his feet, which is great, but he gets really excited when he sees people in wheelchairs. And so he'll talk about the wheelchair. It's cool, which is not the response people usually get. And so, you know, we'll say things walking by somebody in a wheelchair, like, hey, nice wheels. Because we had wheels like that. Yeah. Yeah, And it opens the door for that. My son used to be in a wheelchair. Oh, cool. And we have these conversations. Yeah. so I'm sure we've just that hope to them too, you know, to know that yeah. we, he was in a wheelchair and, and now look at him and, you know, maybe it gives them hope, whatever their situation is too, that me too, you know, like maybe yeah. that could be me. And, or that it's just okay to, yeah. to not have, not have these myths about things, not to have this like elephant in the room. Yeah. We just, we just take away the elephant. We have yeah. that conversation out of the yeah. gate and then we're done. Yeah. Um, and Again, because we look different physically, my oldest son looks different from the perspective of some of his disabilities or physical. So it's, it's pretty clear right away what's going on. And, and people have questions as a general rule. And so I want to be able to say, yeah, go ahead. I mean, some of them are deeply personal and, and we've had people say rude (laughs) things and that's okay. Like, you know, whatever. Uh, we've, we've had a lot of questions like, where did you get them? I'm like, uh, Walmart aisle five, they're on sale. Like, geez, <laughs> did you mean, are they adopted? Yes. Right. Is that and how you meant it. to ask? Yes. Cause, and then they go, yeah, well, they just didn't have the right words. Yeah. So yeah. no yeah. problem. We can open yeah. up that door and have that conversation, but it just, it, it allows for people to, to understand mm-hmm. and understanding just breeds acceptance and it breeds inclusion. And so the more we can help increase that level of understanding, the better. So yeah, when we go out, it's, it's always a really interesting experience. You know, we also have a service dog. So here I am with this two children who look completely different than me. One's in a wheelchair and a service dog. And yeah, people are like, wow, what just happened with that? Yeah. Those people walking by. Like, that's yeah. interesting. Right. So we that's, get that a lot. Yeah. Awesome. Tell us about like, you talk about legacy and like leaving a legacy. So how, how does that like come from like your family or maybe are you, do you want to leave that legacy for your kids? Is it, Mm -hmm. is it more like for you personally? Is it a little bit of everything? Let's talk about legacy and like leaving that legacy. Absolutely. So in Canada, kids become adults at the age of 19. 
Okay. And so everything in the legal system, the medical system, everything shifts. And my son is going to be 19, my oldest son who has the disabilities. So we are head over heels into the transition process because everything for him is going to change his medical specialists will change. He is about to not be in school anymore. And that's all he's ever known is a life in school. And, uh, you know, his service providers change. And the sad reality is that there's, there's not a lot available for young adults with disabilities and older adults with disabilities. And it really kind of behooves a family to be very, very proactive and advocate on behalf of their child. So the biggest question that we've been asked, because I've been in this process now for three years, I got about three more to go before I think we'll be settled. I could be completely (laughs) wrong on that, but I think about three more. Looking at it, the biggest question I've been asked is, where do I see my son in 10 years, in 20 years when I'm not here? Mm -hmm. Because the reality is he's going to require care, not just for the remainder of my life, but the remainder of his. Mm -hmm. So in thinking about say retirement, my husband and I are very lucky to have pension plans, but the pension is designed only for the person who bought it, yeah. not for an adult dependent child yeah. who will be with you forever. There's no money for that. We had to really look at, okay, what are we going to do? What do we want to see for him? Yeah. Um, and as I said, he's going to require a level of support. So ultimately the story sort of starts with last year, he got a best friend. also has special needs. They just hang around all the time and they're so cute together. I just adore the seeing the two of them together. And they went on a work experience placement at a car dealership and they just had the most fun. They really loved it. And they started talking about wanting to work together and live together. And that's what really was the spark for me because I thought, well, how can I make that happen? I don't know about the work situation, but could I create something where they could actually live together? Yeah. Right. I know they're both going to need some support. What can we do? So in this transition process, I've been asking a lot of questions Yeah. and ultimately what my husband and I decided is that we want to buy a house in our city for our son. And we want to have a model wherein he and a couple of his friends can actually live there with a live-in caregiver. And it's his, but not his, because he can't own an asset that's super big because it'll (laughs) strip him of all his funding. So how can we do all this? There's a whole lot of pieces at play. But it got us really thinking about legacy because people think of it as the thing you leave behind. Like you make this decision in your nineties when you're getting close to death and normally it's associated with, I'm going to leave some money somewhere. Yeah. Right. Um, and we thought, well, that's not what we can do. Like we can't wait till then to make these decisions. We have to make them now. So we're not leaving it. We're living into it. Mm. All the decisions that we're making now in terms of how we're going to fund this. What is the vision? How are we going to grow our nest egg to be able to make that happen? Do we want it to be a nonprofit model or a for-profit model or a private model? Like we're, we have to make all these decisions today and that's going to really impact what happens later. And so then it got me thinking about this idea that, well, maybe we need to change this notion of legacy from something you leave behind to something that you can actively live into. And so that kind of gave rise to the podcast that I'm hosting because along the way, 
I have found myself talking to extraordinary legacy makers, yeah. average everyday people, like the lady, you might be in the line behind you at the grocery store that you have no idea that the, she's creating this awesome thing off yeah. the side. Yeah. Right. And it's normally out of a place of pain or a person that you really want to surround and support. How can you do that? And then of course, most of us want to take along as many people as we can. It's not just yeah. about my kid, but can I help his friends? And I know that some of his friends, their families don't have the financial means to do this. So can we create something to create a safe space for these guys to live their grown up lives as besties yeah. in the same house. Like how cool would that yeah. be? Oh my gosh. So awesome. So yeah, that's what we're working towards. And, and along the way, I'm having so much fun meeting really extraordinary people doing really cool things and all the professionals who support us. Cause the reality yeah. is none of us is doing it alone. So being able to shine a light on some people that love to work with people who are different and families who are different and unique uh, to help them achieve their unique goals. Mm -hmm. um, it's so much fun. Yeah. I'm having a ball. So yeah. that's kind of where we're at. I'm right oh. in the middle of it. Yeah. Oh, well, I love that. And what you probably do not know about me is that I used to be a school teacher and I used to work at a school here called the Sussex Consortium, which is a school for mainly kids with autism, but there are lots of other, lots of other children there as well. But my final for years, I worked with the older population. So 14 to 21, mm -hmm. um, they can go to school in, well, now they can go to school till 22 here um, because of COVID, but it was 21. And so that's what I used to take them out to work. And we used to work on mindset and budgeting mm -hmm. and cooking and all the different things. And that like lit me up, like to think differently, to think outside the box, like, where is this kid going to thrive? Like, where do they want to go? What do they want? How can they advocate for themselves? But I worked with a lot of job coaches and then, you know, the, um, the agencies that would be helping them after they mm -hmm. left school. So everything that you're saying, I totally understand. I think it's so beautiful about the house and the best friends and being able to, you know, potentially live together and live out their lives. It's so beautiful, Michelle. Thank you. I'm super excited about it. And it just really came out of a conversation. I happened to overhear between the two of them talking about how cool it would be yeah. if they could live together. And yeah. that was enough for me to say, Hmm, how can I go make that happen? Right. Oh my goodness. That is, that's like powerful and just mm, what a legacy. Like I, mm -hmm. I had no, I didn't have any idea. I didn't know where that's like, where your podcast stemmed from or that mm -hmm. idea or that concept. So I'm sure that is just so inspirational to so many moms and women that are going to be listening to that. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Yeah. So talk about a tale of two T's or is that like you were saying it's your son and his bestie. Like that's what, that's what that is. That's what no, the it actually, that's so funny. It's, it's, what uh, is it a then? it's a post that I do on Facebook. I started it probably about a decade ago. Um, if you look back, if you're friends with me on Facebook and you look back in my history, if you want to go back further than 10 years, you'll actually find there's nothing about my children or our journey. And a lot of that was me being very concerned about haters and people saying awful things about my son with disability, um, you know, cause there are haters out there and people yeah. say things. And I wasn't sure how I was going to react to all that. Cause we were in the throes of figuring out the depth and breadth of all of it. And, yeah. and I just, I just wasn't in a place that I could share. And then um, one day I did a post 
with no pictures, just some words about the fact that, that my oldest had said my name. Now, backstory, I have lived, I lived probably seven years with no name. I was, uh, and my husband was Addie. That's what he got. It was Addie. And he'd point to me and say, oh, and I'm like, that is so not a nice name. I'm not, I'm not digging that. Um, And then as he got older, I became a ma. Okay. And then mama. Okay. And then one day I was working away and I heard this little voice behind me go, "Mm, shell. And it was the first time I'd ever heard him say my name and it stopped me dead in my tracks. And so I just wrote about it. Yeah. And I was flooded with messages, people commenting on the post, people private messaging me, people texting me, people calling me saying, did you get that on video? Can we see it? We've been so curious about this life you're leading. Can, is there some way we can share in this? And so I looked at my husband and I said, I I think people want me to start talking about our life (laughs) and how do we feel about that? And yeah. he's like, well, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm like, okay. So then I thought, well, maybe I just need to share these, these little moments, things that would really easily blow past other people, but in my house are monumental. Mm-hmm. And I call it a tale of two T's because the two boys are Travados and gotcha. we refer to ourselves as team T at home. Gotcha. So it's a tale, always a tale of one of them, yeah. what's going on for one of them. And I just started doing it. So I got my son in front of a camera. My oldest guy is definitely not camera shy. He is my social butterfly. (laughs) He loves the universe. He was super happy to stand there in his jammies and say, "Mm, Michelle, a few times. And then he did the happy dance. Yeah. And I posted this video and again, got flooded with people saying, can you tell us more? Tell us more about your life. Let us see behind, peek behind the curtain about what it's really like for you. Because we see you going to school because I was teaching at the time. And, and, you know, we're, we see you doing that and we get what that is, but then we don't know what you go home to or what you're coming from when you go to school. Could you shine a light on that? And so I just started doing it. And it's kind of these average everyday moments that make me pause for thought. Yeah. the day his two best friends met him at the car door and they walked into school together. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time he'd ever experienced that. And he was grade 11 Aww. and, and, or the first time he used to want me, his special ed classrooms in the back of the school. And I used to take him to the back of the school and walk him to the door. And, and then he started realizing that like other kids in the school weren't going into school that way. They were going in through the front door and he wanted to start doing that. And so, you know, we had to structure this all with the school to make it happen. And he used to be very nervous and he would look a lot, turn around and look to see if I was still there waiting just in case. Yeah. I don't know what it was in case of, but just in case (laughs) Um, I had to be waiting till he walked through the door of the school. And then one day he didn't turn around. Uh, and instead of that being a sad moment for yeah. me, I was so excited yeah. because it meant that he was feeling confident and comfortable enough to do it. Yeah. Now he shoes me away. Go, go, yeah. shoo, yeah. shoo. <laughs> like he shoes me away. Right? As soon as the door closes, he's like, get out of here. I'm like, yeah. this is yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's exactly uh-huh. what I was hoping for. So it's those moments that I like to highlight or a moment of kindness in public where somebody says or does something that really makes my heart skip a beat mm-hmm. over how sweet they are or, you know, random things like 
I found my younger son one day kneeling down in front of his brother, tying his shoes. Mm -hmm. And I'd never, I didn't ask him to do it. It's something I have assumed myself. Um, And, you know, just that moment that I happened to catch this gentle, thoughtful moment between two brothers. Um, And that's the tales that I tell these stories of just these things that are happening, because I feel like the world needs more hope and optimism and inspiration. And so if our story inspires somebody else to, to see something different or to think about things different or to go start their own legacy, think about what they want to achieve and go do it, then that's a life well lived. Mm-hmm. And it is worth me sharing all of these things. And sometimes as much as possible, I try to keep it optimistic, but sometimes yeah. I really got to get real with people. It's not easy being a special needs parent. And, um, I, I don't want anybody to think I gloss over that some days yeah. it's completely, totally devastatingly overwhelming. Yeah. And sometimes I share those things too. Yeah. Uh, but I'm always looking for the lesson I can learn or the silver lining I can find. Mm-hmm. And the feedback that I've gotten from those posts is that people find them hopeful and inspirational and they're rooting for our family and our son all the time. And when I post those things, I get the most responses. I bet you them. do. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love that I get to shine a light on, I like to say, when people see disability and hear disability, they treat disability because that's what they know about the person in front of them. And frankly, I don't want anybody dissing my son. Yeah. So I am all (laughs) about the ability. Where do we see the ability? Where do we see the beautiful human that's in there? He's not the sum total of all that's wrong with him. Yeah. He is this beautiful human being who happens to have some of these things that pose a challenge. And so that's really been my focus and, and having people see that in themselves or their own lives. Um, I hope to inspire that in the world. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I mean, I would ask, do you have anything else to share? I'm like, is there anything you haven't shared, but you've shared so much, but is there anything else that you might feel is on your heart, whether you're talking to moms or Mm -hmm. adoptive moms or special needs moms, or just all the moms like that are listening? Is there anything else you feel? Yes. I got one more thing. Okay. And it's this. For a lot of special needs, mom, diagnosis becomes the death of the dream you have for your child because you get very caught up in the medical model that said, tells you everything that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Everything is wrong if it's not quote unquote normal. And you get caught up in a, a model that's all about fixing what's wrong with your child. And I want to, if nothing else, spread the joy of saying, Many moms either don't have a dream because they're so lost in the day-to-day, or it's this little thing they hold really near and dear to their heart because they're so afraid to speak it out loud that somebody will trample it. Mm -hmm. If you've got that spark, if you just found it, if you've always had it, go talk to people, build whatever that dream is for your child. Now within reason, (laughs) my child has got physical disabilities. They're never going away. So I can't wish for tomorrow, him to wake up and be perfectly able-bodied. That's not a reasonable or doable dream, but I can structure his life so that he can live with his friends. Mm -hmm. I can do that. I can give him that piece of his life. So if you've got that in your heart, no matter who your child is, if it's a child with medical challenges, if it's a child with disabilities, if it's your average everyday kid, who's two, 
have a look at what it is that you can, what do you dream for your child in their life, in their lives, and then figure it out, go put one foot in front of the other and make it happen. Mm. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I'm taking that, taking that to the heart. So I need to have conversations with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. I think those are rich conversations. Yeah, and, and in a lot of cases, and as much as you can involve your children, yeah. what do they want? Yeah. And then how can you help them work alongside in partnership to achieve it? Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Here's my one scripted question that I ask to everyone that comes on the podcast. We do not celebrate ourselves enough. And you were already saying about moms, like putting others first and leaving that dream behind and, or not thinking about it or thinking, oh, I don't have time for that. But I would love to know what is something, Michelle, that you love about yourself right now? I'm going to go with two. Okay. Courage and optimism. I well, I'm pretty fearless when it comes to my kid. You know, I, there are a lot of things that I won't, maybe won't do for myself, but if you tell me that my kid can't, that's the trigger word for me to say, "Mm, let me figure out how this, Yeah, I don't know about that. Can't let's see what we can do with that. And so I would celebrate that I am, I am very brave. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of things where I've had to, to face down some pretty big, big challenges and big, scary diagnoses and, and some scary medical things. And I am pretty brave and Mm -hmm. I can almost always find the silver lining in any situation. And that's a learned skill, moms. If you don't know how to do it, start practicing on a daily basis. One thing that you can hang on to that gives you hope. One thing, whatever that is. And that one thing will grow. And you'll be able to find those things. So I can almost always find the the silver lining in any situation. So I'm celebrating that. Yes, you should. I love it. Well done. Well done. Um, how can people find you? I'm going to put information in the show notes, but how would you like for, for mamas to, to reach out to you? Oh my gosh. I am on Facebook. Uh, I just cleared out a bunch of people that I didn't know. So I've got some space for new friends. If you want to connect with me, you can go to my website, which is livingyourlegacy.ca. And there's a place there for you to be able to reach out to me. You can email me. I love email Michelle at livingyourlegacy.ca. And if you'd like to check out the podcast, it's called living your legacy. I'd love to have you check it out. Those are the best places to reach me, but I am on Instagram and TikTok and all the other things too. Okay, cool. Well, I'll put whatever I've got in the comments and then they can go in the show notes and then they can go find you wherever they like to spend their time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure it'll be wonderful wherever they're going to find you. So thank you so much, Michelle, for, for sharing your heart and um, a little bit about your life and your journey with motherhood and, and living your legacy. It's just beautiful. Thank you. Oh, it was such a pleasure. I get, I'm so happy to brag about my kids any day. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you did that here. So I'm going to smile the rest of the day after this. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much, Michelle. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I hope you felt like you were hanging out with your bestie because now more than ever, we need community and connection. If you loved this conversation and have a friend who you believe needs to hear this, please share this episode with them. It could transform their day. Share it on social too, because you never know who needs to hear this message. Follow this podcast on Spotify or subscribe on Apple so you will never miss an episode and don't have to go searching for it each week. Make your life easier, my friend. 
Your support means the world to me. If you found inspiration today, take a second and leave me five stars and a personal written review on Apple Podcasts so more moms feel less alone. That's how this message gets out to more mamas. If you want to stay connected on other levels, check out my new website, melissaclambit.com. There you'll be able to subscribe to my newsletter, send me a personal message, join the Reawakened Mom Circle, get free resources, book me to speak at an event, or just check out my musings I write about this amazing life. I can't wait to get to know you on a personal level. If you want to continue this conversation and take action on something we talked about today, Join me and other mamas in our free Facebook group, the Reawakened Mom Group. It's linked in the show notes because who has time to write it all down? Remember, we're stronger together. We're stronger supporting each other. We are stronger lifting each other up. We are stronger sharing our journeys and stories because you're not alone, like ever. I believe in you, mama. I see you. I hear you. I am Melissa Clampett, and this is the Reawakened Mom Podcast.